Project Excite Sessions, where innovation, technology, and entrepreneurship meet the brightest minds, leaders, and innovators in Colorado, our university ecosystem, and beyond. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Project Excite Sessions, our podcast where we interview entrepreneurs and generally awesome people in Denver. Uh, we are, I am Nina Sharma, I'm the Managing Director of Project Excite, and I'm here with Elena Zuckerman. Hello. I am the Undergraduate <laughs> Student Innovation Fellow with Project Excite. We're a little, we're a little giggly today. It's Friday. <laughs> it it's is Friday. Friday. And it's President's snowing. Day weekend. It is President's Day weekend. And our special guest today is Amanda Fox. Hello, everyone. Amanda is the, I'm going to butcher this, co-founder <laughs> of Remoto and partner at Pioneer Interest. That is correct. She's got some super interest. Plus, she's a DU student. Yes, in PMBA. In a professional MBA program. Hi, welcome. Hi. I'm glad you found us. Yes, it was, uh, <laughs> there's a conference for all of you that aren't here <laughs> going on downstairs, and I was on the phone in the middle of the conference and then looked up and realized that, You were surrounded oh, dear. by people. <laughs> <laughs> by a whole bunch of like incoming freshmen yeah. who were like, do I want to go here? And I'm like, yes, you definitely do. Now you're the crazy do. person that they <laughs> That's amazing. So okay. glad to be here. Cool. So we mostly just want to know everything there is that is we should know about you, about starting up, about why you're coming back to get your MBA, how you got here, what you're doing with Pioneer Interests, like everything. All so of the above. Start wherever you'd like to start. About yeah. You. And, um, you know, I, I also want to touch on Denver as a whole mm -hmm. and Colorado as a whole. Totally. So I... Grew up in Colorado, moved to Texas for high school, giving you guys kind of a full background. Went to the University of Texas and then moved to New York right after I graduated college. Worked in experiential marketing. And while I was at a company called MKG, my sister was at Parsons School of Design. And she came up with an idea to do essentially e-design. For those of you that live in Denver and Colorado are probably very familiar with Havenly. Mm -hmm. For those that live in totally. New York, you probably know Home Polish, and then sort of the California crowd knows Laurel and Wolf. And those are, you know, essentially booking services for mm -hmm. interior design. So my sister had this idea, she came to me and she was like, I think we could do this sort of for the teenage millennial demographic. Long story made short, you know, we, I left my job, she left her job, we awesome. made a business plan, which we can touch on in a little bit of, mm -hmm. you know, how important is it to have a business plan? Is it really necessary? Right, exactly. Pivoting. And that brings me to a great point that sort of as we got in and hired um, a freelance web developer, we sort of realized that the space was getting crowded very quickly and that what people were buying at that age group were essentially um, a bed in a bag, right? So you go to college and you move from dorm to dorm or maybe you live on, you know, off-campus housing. And then when you graduate college and you move to a bigger city, you typically do the same thing. <laughs> you're moving from room to room. You're looking on Craigslist. You're going to Bed Bath & Beyond. You have a hodgepodge of stuff. And yeah. Nothing matches. And nothing like, matches. It's horrible. Yeah. You have no money. Some of those hand-me-downs, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're like, I don't know what I'm doing. I just got my first paycheck. And am I supposed to be saving this? Or <laughs> should I go to the bar? Taxes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Then you figure out a year later about taxes and you kind of have an aha moment. Uh -huh. um, so <laughs> anyway, we decided, we met with a couple of our mentors and they said, maybe you should look into the product space. And at that time, you know, Warby Parker was really popular and Everlane. And remember, again, we're in New York, so we're sort of surrounded by this. 
And we came up with a concept for Remota, which is a room in a box, and a modern contemporary box filled with pe- bedding, pillows, decorative picture frames, storage bins, sort of all that the starter essentials. We designed everything, started manufacturing, and immediately got into Bloomingdale's. That's amazing. So it was a rush in the beginning, um, and it was awesome. And we thought, what? This is so easy. Why doesn't everybody start a company? (laughs) (laughs) About, right? Very cute, very cute and innocent. And uh, very quickly, we realized that our product was not selling at Bloomingdale's. So we got online, we had a $500 price point. And this also kind of goes back to sometimes you just do have to jump in and figure it out. And we- Did you guys have a business plan at this point? We had a business plan, yes. And we had run numbers and we had done to the best of our ability. Mm -hmm. Now, Whitney went to Parsons. Um, I majored in communications. (laughs) We didn't have a finance background. So a, and I, I don't know if I'd call it a mistake because it's all just lessons you learn. You know, when building your team, you really do need to know what your strengths and weaknesses are. And our weaknesses definitely fell in the finance realm, which is why I'm getting my mm-hmm. PMBA. So eventually awesome. we'll get sort of to that of realizing as you grow what you need to improve on. And so, you know, we get this horrible call from Bloomingdale's of your product's not selling, can we give it all back to you? <laughs> and oh at this gosh. point, we are freaking out because startup, um, we did PO financing. So we did not go out and raise money. We did a small technical seed round with our, our friends and family, but backed that up with a purchase order. So we said, you know, we have this from Macy's, which we felt confident going to China and actually placing those manufacturing orders. Um, what we realized from Bloomingdale's was that the customer that we were seeking at a $500 price point did not need this service. So it's something that you just need to learn by being out in the market. And we never would have figured it out. If you were going to spend $500 on this, you're going to spend more to do it better. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And so they are a sister company to Macy's. And they said, I think this is a better product for Macy's if you can lower your price point. So on that first batch, we actually took a huge price hit. And we just, mm. because we had priced them to be at 500, and we just said, let's just try it, right? We have all of these, let's see what happens. And it turned out to be their best selling product for college back to school. How much did you have to drop the price? By $250. Wow, so a lot, and half. Half and half. Did and that if break you, even or? At that time, okay. that was breaking even, yeah. So for that first year, you know, immediately we're like, we're gonna be a millionaire. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> just kidding, we're just, just not losing kidding. money. <laughs> now we're losing money. And then wait a minute, this is selling again. So we struck a deal with Macy's and we actually just got in store with them. So remember, we're, this is all online, oh, e-commerce. Okay. And I've been begging them, pressuring them uh, for the past two years to put us in store. And we're finally this year going to do a test. That's so cool. Retail as a whole is changing. And I think it's it's been really interesting being a part of it. And it is pretty sad to see the Amazon effect. Um, but a lot of these companies aren't evolving and they're not really changing their ways. So mm. we'll see what happens. But in the meantime, we kind of found that sweet spot of $250. $250. Um, we even have a lower price point box at $169. And it just has a little bit less of the components. Yeah. And we sell on QVC, HSN, Macy's, Wayfair, kind of our, you know, the lower end, I would say, retail. And that's what we are. We're sort of a mass market, kind of lower end uh room in a box company. That's awesome. So that's Remoto. That's so cool. <laughs> about a year and a half ago, I fell in love. Well, I guess more than a year and a half ago, I fell in love. But my boyfriend lived out here in Denver. And so we were long distance for a while. And at that time, my sister had just gotten married and moved to Houston. So I moved to Denver a year and a half ago. 
and was a little bit nervous about. So you moved to you moved to Denver after you met Matt. And after I met Matt, yeah, sorry. Matt Schifrin was on. He we did a Studio X with Matt Schifrin uh, last month, and that you can find that on our YouTube channel. And it's great, so everybody <laughs> should listen. And yeah, moved here, and you know, coming from New York, I think people have the mentality that New York is the best. And I you, right? I you, you kind of. I do, I do too. I love Denver. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Me but too. I still think New York's the best. Yeah, and when you you leave and you're surrounded by, you know, there everyone and their mom is doing a startup in yeah. New York, and everyone's we were, hustling all you know, the time, all the time. And so I was hesitant to move here and a little bit scared. And what was interesting is the moment that I stepped foot in Denver, I met you. I met mm -hmm. a wonderful guy named Eric Matisic, who all of you know. <laughs> And a few other really key people who plugged me right in. And what I found was Denver actually is more collaborative and more helpful than any other place I've been. Mm -hmm. And so they really, you know, with guidance and just feeling that confidence again, Remoto is still completely up and running. And actually, that's how we landed QVC awesome. was from a connection here, which, you know, in New York, you ask for a favor and the first response is, well, what can you do for me? Right. And here it's, you know, sure, can I help right. you? And there's actually a company. New York's much more zero sum game. Much than more Denver zero sum is. game. Denver's way more collaborative. And it's way more collaborative and it actually rubs off on you. So I just emailed a guy who's starting a company called Sheets and Giggles. So he's mm -hmm. about to launch. And I just reached out, which I never would have before, saying, Do you need help? Awesome. <laughs> I've been in this industry before. Do you need help? And I don't think. I would have known to do that had I not moved to a place like Denver, so which cool. is really, is really, really awesome to think about. Um, so being in Denver, I needed friends, <laughs> knew that I was still struggling on the finance part of Remoto, met Eric, and he suggested I look into the DU PMBA program. I had been looking into doing a program at Columbia when I was in New York and moved here, met with a few people. About six months after living here, I started in March of 2017, mm -hmm. so I'm about a year in, and it's awesome. And I took an entrepreneurship class. So in that class, you Who get assigned Sean Powell. Okay. Also, awesome entrepreneur mm -hmm. here. For anybody that wants to meet and mingle, please reach out to me, or I think his email is part of DU, but he's always open to meeting anybody. And in entrepreneurship, we get assigned or, you know, the groups come up with various projects they want to work on. And I reached out and I said, I've been really interested in the cannabis industry. And anybody that lives in Denver know that it's on every corner. And so it's something to think about. On the Remoto branding and sort of product development side, you know, retail is changing. Mm -hmm. And being in sort of an oversaturated space, you have to start thinking next steps. It's sort of that do or die. And I started thinking about all the products in New York and California just became legalized and the beauty and health and wellness and just incredible branding of the dispensaries and products. And that doesn't really exist here in Denver. Mm -hmm. So I started doing a kind of a business plan. Again, goes back to this business plan, which truly is where it all starts, right? You just have to start putting pen to paper and yeah. see what happens. And ended up meeting um, a wonderful guy who runs a grow house here that I can't say the name of because <laughs> we're currently in the middle of a merger and acquisition type deal. And I am moving full on into cannabis to acquire a business, kind of really build out a retail arm and product development. The company is called Pioneer Interests. I'm a partner and I'm actually doing that with my boyfriend, Matthew Schifrin, who you guys should definitely watch or listen, can they watch? They can watch on YouTube, yeah. He's cute, so you should watch it. Yeah. <laughs> and that leads, yeah, right. And that uh, that leads I me. I think everybody after his studio X is like, <laughs> he's super creepy. <laughs> 
like I, men, I get proud. women, every every <laughs> sexual preference, everyone had a crush on men. Uh, you, so. you guys can see me in bright red right now because I still have a crush on him. He's so cute. Um, and also really smart and driven. And, right, that too. Right? <laughs> the more important qualities. Um, yeah, and so that's sort of where I am here today in a nutshell i don't i think that was more than you know a brief summary that's an excellent nutshell so you you did mention business planning a little bit and how it matters but not all that much can you just start can you just elaborate on that a little bit like what did you guys first plan with remoto how did that change how did you decide to pivot are you just kind of riding a wave or are you really trying to get ahead of it so i don't think there is a right or wrong i'll preface with that because you know, you'll talk to 10 people, and this is something that entrepreneurs need to realize. You'll talk to 10 people and they'll give you 10 different answers. And so Mm -hmm. at some point you sort of just have to listen to yourself, but more importantly, you need to listen to your customer. And I think while drafting these plans and figuring it out, the most important thing you should do that we didn't do enough of is whether it be a focus group or really just getting out there and meeting customers and even just walking around Bloomingdale's and seeing what people are picking up and at what price points and what they, you know, what their age is and their gender, just to start realizing, okay, maybe this isn't right or this this is wrong. Um, but from our initial business plan, I mean, you could throw it away. I wish I brought it for you. <laughs> I mean, it's completely different from where we are now. That's really cool. There are, the name is the same. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, people, the people are the same, you know, and I guess the category is the same, right? We're still in home decor. And I think that's rare that we pivoted that dramatically. I don't think companies necessarily do that, but it was so early on and because we didn't raise money. I think when you are going to seek funding, they want to know a clear and destined path. And remember, we were very young. I mean, early 20s and you can do Mm -hmm. this whenever, but we definitely did not have as much experience as we do now. So take Pioneer Interests where we have a full-fledged, you know, a pitch deck, a pitch deck with financials, then we have our follow-up detailed deck, and our business plan, you know, is to the T with 10-year projections, which usually only have five. Yeah. And that's just a matter of growing and, and realizing what you need. But I guess fundamentally on a business plan, you know, you do need to know your demographic and you do need to know your target target mm-hmm. market. And then you just need to hit the ground running. I mean, I can't say it enough of how many people want to have their ducks in a row, and that's just not how the real world works. Right. If you're not jumping in and trying something, somebody else is. You know, on Shark Tank, I watch Shark Tank a lot, and I highly recommend that too. I mean, you should just sit there and write down. That's actually how I prepped for is our first really business model. Shark Tank? So I watched Shark Tank, and I wrote down every question that the sharks asked the, the entrepreneurs. Yeah. Thank you. I was like, the potential investors? The <laughs> entrepreneurs. And those questions are exactly the questions you're going to get. And they're hard really and they're fast. Cool. And that's exactly what you need to know. So, I mean, that's an inexpensive way of just having fun watching TV <laughs> and, <laughs> learning, and learning a lot. Totally. Um, but, you know, then you'll read comments on, you know, I, I follow them and I look at, up at a lot of the companies. And there's so many people that say, this is the idea I had. And I can't tell you enough, you know, Everybody has great ideas, but it's about execution. Right. And I always reference Bumble a lot because obviously everybody's heard of Bumble. It's very relevant to college students. And people ask Whitney Wolf all the time, you know, why you? You know, can't anybody start a dating app? And she's like, everybody can start a dating app, no, but no our reason. branding and our message can't be replicated. And so I think that... Also, not everyone's going to. You and not everybody's going idea, to, exactly. They're not going to. And you have to find that emotional connection and you have to truly, truly believe in it. Yep. Which, um, and find a team. I think the biggest thing I've learned is you cannot do it alone. 
And, you know, your team might change over time, but you need people to bounce ideas off of. And mm-hmm. there's going to be days when you're really depressed. And then days when it's awesome. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm like now getting sad about it. I'm like, I don't know, guys. Should you <laughs> be okay, an entrepreneur? It will always be a roller coaster. <laughs> Completely. So going off that team aspect, uh, your first company was with your sister. The company now, you're working with your boyfriend. How do you work those personal relationships? Because I think a lot of students on campus, when they're finding teams, it's probably with their friends, people they're in classes with. How is that navigated in your life? Such a great question. And it's so hard. And it's funny because no one has asked me that yet because Pioneer is relatively new. And so I haven't really thought about, you're right. I just go from family to friends. But I think that's naturally you talk to your your sister, your boyfriend, whomever it is about your ideas. And those are the people who are going to believe in you the most. And that probably agree with you on a lot of things most, but also the people that you can fight with the biggest. Right. So I think that's right. Like, so I will say that Whitney and I with friends at some point and you will fight and you will argue yeah. and it will be very, very, very stressful. What I will say and we um, I'm a family come from a family of lawyers and the best advice I got early on was from uh, my stepfather who said, you know, regardless, this is your family and you think oh, it's all going to work out if there's a problem. You need to have things written down mm-hmm. and contracts in place. And so for both Whitney and now with Matt, I mean, we have a contract of if X, Y, and Z happens, who leaves and what happens and how does that affect the company? And for Whitney and I, we were co-founders and we were completely on par and we have different skill sets, so it was great. With Matt, you know, I he is above me. He is the CEO and I think it's been a little bit of an ego check, but you sort of have to realize that of... I don't have the skills necessary to be the CEO of this next company. And I think as a founder and an entrepreneur, you will get to a point in your company too where maybe you aren't the best person to take it to the next level. Right. And so that's something that you just sort of have to realize. But um, but yeah, you know, people ask, uh, you know, with Matt, my family's been asking, I guess. So people have asked. I used to talk to him all the time about Remoto. And I'd pitch questions and ideas. And to your point, you know, they're the people you talk to the most. So I already feel like I have been working with him. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been like your advisor. He's been like my advisor anyway. And I'm actually going to be reporting to our partner, who I shouldn't say his name because that's okay. It relates to what you we're doing. Quiet, Mr. <laughs> <laughs> um, so don't mind me while I yeah, I'm like, okay, we're losing my train of thought. <laughs> if I knew this was gonna be a photo shoot, I would have, you know, maybe know. Just, not yeah. just worn black, which is the uh, attire every day. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I think when you're working with your friends and family, having those hard conversations initially, especially the equity conversations, I think people kick that can down the road, and that needs to be one of your first discussions because. And you'll realize that as you get into this, you know, you can't be shy really anymore. And you sort of just have to tackle the hard stuff, Mm -hmm. which equity is definitely one of the hardest because it's an uncomfortable, money is uncomfortable to talk about. Mm -hmm. And when starting a company, of course, you're, you're, you're not doing it mostly, yes, because you want to change the world and you're excited. But a lot of times, you think you're going to make. Well, you want a career. It's going to be a career. career. And you want to, you know, have a good paycheck and you want to have benefits and mm-hmm. you know so I, I would suggest just sort of having those conversations really early on because they're really important and they will bite you yeah in the end um you right before we started this you were speaking of money or we were speaking yeah. of fundraising um so now you're in a much more traditional fundraising kind of role right now or not role but environment, you guys are yeah. in that environment right now can you talk a little bit about absolutely that, what you've learned and and just 
holy moly (laughs) (laughs) yeah we were we were we were kind of bitching about it guys um but can i say yes bitching about it (laughs) um fundraising is tough you know we were saying it's nina said this not me but it's a roller coaster it's like dating (laughs) that's exactly what it is (laughs) so you you know you'll meet with 100 people and of those 100 people you know 75 percent will say this is such an awesome idea and honestly a lot of those are just being nice (laughs) you'll be like this is so great we're gonna raise all this money and for those of you we're raising a 15 million dollar round so it's a it's a huge round and it's asking for a lot of money from you know, uncomfortably friends sometimes, but we truly believe in it and you want to give people opportunities to huge hedge funds Mm -hmm. and private equity firms who do this daily. And that's when that shark tank (laughs) really come into play. Um, And then so of that 75 that say yes, you know, maybe half of those will actually reach back out and say, can you send me follow-up financials and a follow-up sort of detailed questions on the category, you know, especially in cannabis, everybody keeps asking about sessions and mm. the revoking of the coal memo and what that means, as well as banking. That's another huge issue. Uh, there's ways around it, but a right. lot of people just don't know. So of those 50%- well, you mean the banking that you can't put the money in a bank because it's federally regulated, correct. federally illegal. Mm-hmm. Yes, okay. so you have to use credit unions yeah. and um, now there's local banks that are accepting, but it's, um, in more in any industry, you need to take the legal side very seriously. But in this one, you know, ten times that mm-hmm. it's really important. And so, you know, of those fifty percent, we've had you know twenty five percent will actually come back, and then you send them your PPMs and all your subscription agreements. And of those, maybe a quarter will actually give you money. So fundraising is having another job. You have a full mm-hmm. job while getting, and you know this better mm-hmm. than anybody too. It's it's tough and there you end the day meeting after meeting after meeting after meeting and you're just like what did I say yeah (laughs) did I hit all the points do they like me and that's the biggest thing too is ultimately you know numbers are very important and having a a model that works but really they're investing in the fact that every day you're going to wake up and you're going to put in you know 14 hours a day 16 hours a day and do that week after week after week, Mm -hmm. year after year after year. So really having yourself put together and Mm -hmm. sort of your story is really important. People invest in people. People invest in people. Yeah. And in the MBA, I don't know if I can pivot to this, but a lot of people get their MBA because they want to change careers. And so it's been really interesting to be with my cohort, and we're really lucky. We have a really strong cohort who's, um, you know, we're always getting drinks and meeting and, it's really nice to know that people are sort of on your same page. But everybody, you know, keeps asking, what do I do? Do I have to have all my ducks in a row? And I want to get this job and I want to do that. And we talk about interviews a lot. So any even interviewing for an internship or whatever your first job may be, it's you. Mm-hmm. And people do care about skill sets, but they care that you'll have the ability to learn them. And people care about personality types and if you're going to work well together. So as much as sometimes I think people get really overwhelmed interviewing or looking for a job, so it's kind of on the off the fundraising, but um, you know, connecting with the person you're interviewing yeah. with or the company that you're looking for, making sure it's a good. Fit. Just gave that advice to a sophomore. Oh, yeah. She was asking about should I look at a company or should I look at the role? And I was like, look for the people. Yeah, look and for the people. Just find the people that you want to work with and that you're inspired by and that you want to emulate or be like, just find the people that you want to spend 
a third of your day with. Exactly. Because it, if you love the job and you don't like the people, it's not You're gonna, gonna work. If you love the people, but the job is lacking, like you'll find other places to move around and, and they'll, if you're, if you can prove yourself, they'll give you more to do. Exactly. So find the people. I agree with that wholeheartedly. I think we got time for one more question. Yeah, so um, throughout the interview, you've touched on, you know, fundraising can be hard and having a startup, there's a lot of ups and downs. So I'm just interested, what, what keeps you going? What keeps you passionate in all of these endeavors? I like waking up every day knowing that my day is going to be completely different. So I think that's what keeps me going. I, I respect those that like to be behind a computer doing Excel spreadsheets. And there are those people. There's a lot of my cohort. And we need them. <laughs> and you need them. <laughs> but I love that every day there's going to be a problem that I have to solve. I love analytical thinking and problem solving. And I think being an entrepreneur that you you need a lot of those skills because every day you're like, okay, that's not going to work. How am I going to get that to work? I need to meet this and we'll just do it this way. So that's what keeps me going. Um, on this new cannabis thing, I... I feel so lucky that we live in a time when a new industry has emerged mm -hmm. that we can be at the forefront of. That gets me high. Yeah. <laughs> like, no pun intended. Wow. I didn't even mean to do that. That's amazing. But really, it's you, you, you can be a part of something and in 20, 30 years, we'll look back and we'll laugh, in my opinion, that the fact that it wasn't federally legal. Right. We'll be like, do you remember the days when you had to go into a store with your ID and like... Oh, yeah. So that's what that's keeps really me going. Cool. Um, I think gets ending on what gets you high. <laughs> that is so embarrassing. The most oh, perfect ending because it's like so cute and charming and you're also totally embarrassed by it. So embarrassed. <laughs> um, this has been like the fastest 20 minutes ever. Thank you so much. Yeah. This was awesome. Thanks guys for having um, me. And anybody who listens to this, feel free to email me, Amanda, A-M-A-N-D-A, <laughs> at pioneerinterests.com or... Yeah, that, that'll work. There you go. Like, okay. Awesome. Thank you, Amanda. <laughs> um, all right. Have a good one. Cool. Thanks. Bye. Project Excite Sessions is recorded on the University of Denver campus and is produced with our partner, Tech Studios, at the Cable Center. To learn more about Project Excite and to listen to all of our episodes of Excite Sessions, visit projectexcite.org.